presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast at a busy time of the National Hockey League season and the uh, futures of uh, National Hockey League goaltenders coming up in the NHL draft after the expansion draft and a little bit of movement ahead of free agency. There's a lot of moving parts going on in this episode as we bring you in via the Zoom call from Tokyo, Japan, where the uh, opening ceremony has taken place. So we're off and running into the uh, meaty part of the games in the first week. And uh, over on Vancouver Island, we have Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, although you guys aren't together. You guys are on the same island, but you're not together. Hours apart, as always. Hours apart. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. As uh, Woody, we have the expansion draft to talk about. And then we'll get into the major transaction involving Alex Nedeljkovic and then free agency and how that trickles down. But the expansion draft and the three goaltenders that were selected by Seattle, a very different tack than what we saw four years ago from the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, there's no sort of um, marquee name, right? They passed on Carey Price in terms of a guy you could put up on the billboard. Uh, and they sought out value, both in terms of contracts with Vitek Vanacek, um, Joey Decord, I believe, doesn't have to clear waivers. So obviously, you also want a goalie sort of in your depth chart. You're going to need three this year. You might need four this year because the schedule is going to be so condensed. And so wanted to make sure you had somebody that fit that bill. Um, and then Chris Trejern signed to a three-year, $10.5 million contract. So you know, a bet they're making that uh, all the success he's had over two years in a smaller sample in Florida is going to translate into a bigger role in Seattle. So um, between that and the trades, the other thing is, I think we need to get Vitek Vanacek on the podcast, guys, because pretty much everyone else involved has been, both whether it's the Nadelkovich-Bernier trade, both past guests, Chris Dreger, that fantastic hour-long interview he did with us last summer, sort of walking us through his evolution as a quote-unquote late bloomer. Um, and Joey Decord, one of our early guests, you know, um, when he was with the Ottawa Senators and fresh off his NCAA career at Arizona State, um, some great talkers and great guests in the past and all heavily involved as we sort of head into the meat of the offseason here. Uh, hockey DB numbers uh, show that uh, not only is it value uh, when it comes to the contracts and what the Seattle Kraken are going to spend on goaltending, but with all due respect to Chris Dreger, there's not a lot of games played there, Hutch. And if you put Dreger and Vanacek and Decord together, I'm not sure you have an entire season of NHL goaltending there. Uh, 37 was it for Vanacek and about 32 for Dreger. So um, there's not a lot of experience. Doesn't mean they can't uh, they can't find anything anything else on the free agent market. But uh, my my sense is that this is who they're going to go with, and they're going to rely on. Um, you know that uh, that strong defense that they've tried to draft here, and and uh, as Woody has so many times told us before, as much as he's a goaltending guy, he'd prefer to build his team from the defense out. So uh, I think they think that behind a good structured defense, these two guys are going to be able to do the job for them. Hey, did you guys get a chance to look at some of the schedules uh, in particular, like getting really deep into some of the teams uh, and what they're going to go through this season? Uh, I talked. I talked to a couple of coaches and I know, I know I'm on the other side of the world, but still keeping an eye on this. Uh, and one of them told me that he thinks it's more jammed than last year 
because you don't have the two game series uh, all the way around. Hello, what what have I been saying? This upcoming season is going to put way more demand on the goaltenders than last season did. Not just because I think it's going to be more condensed with the Olympics and the All-Star Game in Vegas, hoo-hoo, but you don't have a third goaltender to rotate in and out of practice. There's no taxi squad guy this year. like, And there's no more staying, like you said, Darren, in one city for three to five days. You're going to be hopping all over the place. This is going to be a way more demanding season on goaltending. You got to be three deep for sure, probably four. And, you know, we talk about Carey Price and, and we can talk about the decision to pass on him in Seattle, much to my chagrin and the in goal chagrin. Would have been nice to have him a couple hours down the road. Um, but, like, if you're Montreal, I can see why you were so keen to protect Jake Allen, because especially if, with, with some of the injury discussions around Carey, like, you know, for a goaltender who needs to have rest to be at his best it's going to be really hard to find it this season you, your ideal situation is to have you know a number three if you can't have your the taxi squad situation you're sure going to need a young number three that you might need to and 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 hope to give some games this season as well as sort of a one and a two who are ready to play if, if it's when we won't have the taxi squad but will we see the same approach given the experience of going through uh, having three goaltenders around all the time that teams might just carry a third goaltender on their roster throughout this year. And if that goaltender needs to clear waivers, uh, it might make it even more important to, to have that goaltender or uh, more convenient to have that goaltender uh, up with you all year round. Nobody has the cap space. That's the problem, right? Everybody is just like bumping up against that 81 and a half flat cap. And I just don't see it. Uh, We've had this discussion in the past. I've had it with goalie coaches around the league about the idea of sort of creating this position with a recent, you know, whether it's an ex pro or high end college and, you know, there's pushback from the PA. It was my understanding on that that needs to be an NHL job. And I'm just not sure that there are enough teams, you know, like the teams I think of off the top of my head, hey, Seattle's got tons of cap space, but everybody else, um, you know, most of them just don't have that capacity. Solid point by you, Woody. That, that's why I lean on you uh, for this kind of thing. Uh, let's get into the carry price situation. It was a cool idea that he would return to Washington. Hutch, do you think it ever got that close? I like to think it did. I mean, we were all getting excited. Uh, again, to use an old Woodyism, we cheer for stories here, and that would have been one heck of a story. Um, I think most of the people that I was talking to over the last week uh, sure thought it was a possibility, hearing anything from sort of 50-50 to even 75% uh, from some folks who even know him. That uh, that it might end up happening. Um, I don't know, guys. I don't know what you were thinking. There's a lot of chatter uh, throughout the day about uh, insiders breaking the story long before we ever had the draft. And uh, I'm a guy who hates to open his Christmas presents early. I was never the kid to snoop in the closet to see what I got. So I was a little sour about all these names being broken early. Um, but then I was thinking about it. You know, it's Christmas morning and you open your present and oh, sorry, you didn't get what you asked for. Uh, no carry price. It uh, <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, I, I guess it was anticlimactic at the at the end of the day. We were we were certainly hoping to see it 
uh, around here just for the story, just as Woody said, to have him a little bit closer, to have him coming through Vancouver so many more times, and uh, and and just love the way that Marc-Andre Fleury became the face of the franchise in Vegas, and, and we saw that as, as possibly happening here, but obviously they don't uh, value goaltending in quite the same way that Vegas does. To me, it's the one part of the story that didn't get told a lot, and it was the reason we, we've kind of always thought this might be possible. And the other reason that I thought it might be a good story is not that he wants to leave Montreal by any means, but then you get the sense. I mean, obviously, if he agreed to it, he had to be on board with the possibility. I just thought it would have been a really nice fit for him, knowing how much he loves the area. Um, Obviously, Angela, his wife being from Kennewick and and how much time he spends in the Tri-City area now in the offseason and they spend as a family and how much... You know, he just like he he just sort of embodies the Pacific Northwest, really outdoorsy guy, and loves to fish. And I just thought it would have been a really good fit for him. Um, I never really, I never really believe that Ron Francis. If you look at his, I mean, really everything he did in the expansion draft kind of fits his mo. Analytics based, um, built Carolina through defense. Uh, did not focus on goaltending, like like in terms of investing money in it. Like it never really fit Ron Francis or the way he runs things in terms of Seattle picking Montreal or picking Carey Price. But uh, I thought it might be a really good fit for Carey Price, and maybe for some reason I thought that that and the fact you could have had your guy back there, that sort of iconic like face of the franchise, and he wants to be there. He loves the area. He embodies the area. I thought that might be enough to make it happen, but from a hockey operations standpoint, I always kind of thought it was a stretch. So what do we give the grade or can we give the grade uh, to what they did in the goaltending? Uh, Joey's a, a prospect uh, coming off the injury, but got his feet wet. Uh, and then do you have uh, Vanacek and Dreger who have certainly been leaned on for very short spurts in the National Hockey League. And Dreger's got his his money uh, with with the contract, but is it a bit of a risk what what Seattle did, or are we comfortable that with the analytics that this is the the way to go? And maybe outside of what Vegas did, maybe if you looked at it just on its own, the expected way you would go with goaltending with an expansion team. Hutch, tough to grade, isn't it? Yeah, if you start looking at what they could have done, um. I mean, I guess it comes down to philosophy and you have to respect what Ron Francis did. He followed his philosophy. He followed what, as Woody said, he would have expected him to do. Um, so in in that respect, he did well. I mean, obviously, purely from a goaltending standpoint, could you have done better by taking Carey Price? Probably. Um, what else were the alternatives? Veteran presence from Holtby, perhaps. Uh, and they probably could have extracted an asset from the Canucks in the process of taking him as well. Uh, but overall, I think they probably did as well as they could. And if they did have other plans, there's a, a very rich free agent class available as well. Um, so as you say, t- tough to grade. I think they probably did as well as as you could expect them to do, though. Well, I, listen, uh, on the Holpe thing, Vancouver wasn't willing to pay to get rid of him, whether it was in assets and or in, in terms of uh, totally unwilling to eat, eat Not willing money. to pay what they were asked anyway, right? Uh, no, I did, not willing to eat money at all on him uh, is my understanding. So that wasn't going to happen. Um, listen, uh, analytics, um, they're not as kind to Vanacek on his full season. By the time the year ended, you know, his adjusted save percentage was in the 50s. Um, but he showed you what he could do 
early in the season before he sort of got bogged down by the weight of it all and think about how big an ass that was uh, for the Washington Capitals of him in his first sort of NHL season. So obviously they see something from the positive results in the first half. All Chris Jeter has done in the NHL, and yeah, it's a small sample, and yeah, Ron Francis has been burnt by small samples before, Eddie Lack, um, Scott Darling, but I think there were extenuating circumstances in both cases. All Chris Jeter has done since he got to the National Hockey League with the Florida Panthers is stop the puck at an above-expected level. Um, and so that's what they're counting on. From an analytics standpoint, they're betting that what he's done in a small sample will translate. Now, he's never done it as the number one guy in the NHL, and that's always a jump in expectations, and a lot of things change when you're the guy. Um, but we've had the chance to talk to Chris over the years, and some of the lessons he's learned, um, well, in particular last year, and, and he, the way he was so open and honest, I, you know, maybe it's just, you know, we talk about cheering for good stories and good people, and I think he fits both. Um, but, you know, I, I have a funny feeling he's going to be able to handle this. So, um, especially they appear to be a team that's going to build from the back end. Um, it was, he was played behind a pretty good defensive team last season in Florida. And I think he can expect that similar type of focus there. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, do we talk about cheering? I'm, I'm cheering for Chris Treasure to be the number one guy and to shut all of us, anybody, anybody up who might have question marks about his abilities to do this job. And with so many assets uh, up front, uh, certainly on the blue line, uh, I don't know whether Ron Francis is done just yet. Uh, what they have now is probably going to be tweaked, uh, either added to or or just moved around a, a little bit. We'll see what happens So when it comes time uh, to go to camp uh, in September. What do we think of the sweaters, guys? Love, Love them. And Chris Dreger has already promised me that the gear to match will be sick. Really? Oh, yeah. Let's see what happens uh, on, on that front. Uh, Ron Francis, former team, made a move with their goaltending. And the finalist for the Calder Trophy is no longer within the organization. He was drafted. He was uh, groomed. He was uh, tutored and mentored. And Alex Nedeljkovic, now after his breakout season, is a member of the Detroit Red Wings. Everything pointed to Nedeljkovic either going to Seattle or signing a longer-term deal with Carolina. Why is he in Detroit? Anybody know? Well, in the Seattle thing, he was never exposed, right? So he was no, he was but, their but there protected was, goal. There was talk, talk of, going in that he was okay. going to be exposed, and then there was yeah, you're right about that. But but going in um, in the process that that they might expose him, and and Seattle would take him. It all came down to much like Seattle organizational philosophy, and and Hutch talked about it with Ron Francis when he was with the Carolina Hurricanes, and I don't think it's changed since he's left the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they don't. Uh, I don't. I'd be careful. They, I was going to say they don't value goaltending. They don't believe you need to spend on goaltending. Right. Um, and so Alex Nedeljkovic was. His qualifying offer came with arbitration rights. He's a Calder finalist. He was on the all-rookie team for the first NHL first all-rookie team this season. Had a heck of a year. He posted a 9.32 save percentage. And if he had decided they couldn't come to terms on a deal and they, he was given Carolina, he was probably being offered a lot less than the $3 million over two that he signed promptly with in, for in Detroit. Um, and they were worried about the arbitration award, frankly, just being more than they were willing to play for a goaltender, let alone 
didn't matter whether it was one they drafted, developed, one that handles the puck. Like to me, listen, they got Bernier. They've already lowballed him. Maybe they'll sign him. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll go to the market and try and find a bargain there. They're talking about going big and they're an experienced team ready to contend for a cup. And that they, if they're going to pay for goaltending, they're going to pay for experienced cup winning goaltending. I'll believe it when I see it uh, in terms of them, quote unquote, paying for goaltending. But at the end of the day, if they were going to pay for goaltending, they were going to pay for someone with more experience. That's at least the spin that's on it. And I, I mean, there's, listen, I'm not justifying it. There's all kinds of question marks to me. If you're going to let them walk for nothing, you got a third round pick and a chance to talk to Bernier early. Mm-hmm. Letting them walk for nothing seems crazy, but that seemed to be the way they were headed. And man, like, even if you do, like, the adjusted numbers on Bernier are actually very similar to Nedeljkovic behind a very different team, way more chances. And Ned's going to be a lot busier than he's ever been. But even, even if you thought you could get the same goaltender for a little less, like, the adjustment period you've got to live through, the fact that like even if Jonathan Bernier stops the puck at a similar level to Alex Nedeljkovic and plays maybe a more controlled game that they see fitting their their system, doesn't handle the puck like Ned, doesn't have built-in communication with the defense like Ned that that allows that puck handling to get them out of their own end. Like there's just so many things that are built into the guy you know. To to balk at it like that is I understand why everyone's shocked. Analytics decision, do we think? Uh, you know, I've I've got numbers on Ned that are really positive. Not as positive as his raw numbers. I mean, the 932, his adjusted save percentage along with Bernier sort of, you know, falls in. You know, it's not, I think his raw save percentage is the top of the National Hockey League, right? Like that 932 led the league yeah. last year. But, and but the, the environment in Carolina, do, does that point to that you can not put anybody in there? but opens up your options because it's such a good environment, uh, a, a responsible. Yeah. It's a, goal, a goalie-friendly environment, but we've talked about this before. Not everybody can play behind that. There are a lot of really, really good, busy goaltenders that go behind a team where they don't see a lot of shots. There's a, we talked about this with Jack Campbell. Yeah. It, is, it is a skill to be able to play behind that kind of team. And I think one of the things with Ned's puck handling, not only, now they would have better numbers and I would die to see these numbers what they believe the value of his puck handling is to their transition game and their offense. I would love to see that analysis because in Eric Tulski, they have like one of, if not the best analytics guys around the league. So maybe they don't value that as much. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to me, Ned's expected save percentage is way higher than Peter Mrazek's this year. And that's, we've seen that over the years. Shesterkin and, and Lundqvist, same goalies. Jari and Murray, same goalies on the, or different goalies on the same team with huge discrepancies in expected save percentage in the same year. One guy handles the puck really well and one guy doesn't at all. And the guy that handles it always has the higher expected save percentage because they don't spend as much time in their own end. So I'd be curious to see what that evaluation is. Um, but the numbers I have have them very close, Bernie and Adelkovich in adjusted numbers but in very, very different environments. Obviously, Ned's is, it was one of the easier ones in the National Hockey League this season. And Bernier's definitely wasn't. Detroit and, and where they are in their program, you could point to that. But uh, Bernier, for when you compare his numbers to uh, the rest of the team or his partner, were pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Like his adjusted yeah. numbers were, I mean, 
they were this, they were very similar to Nets. They're very similar. So, but again, you know, I mean, just such a such a, his his expected save percentage was sixteen points lower than Nadelkovich's. So, like such a different environment. Like it, we can so we weight them for shot quality and say that they're similar. But because that environment is so different, you have no way to forecast, in my opinion, even right. with all the granular stuff, how one guy translates to the other. Because it's it's like an apple's. Even though you can you weight it. And you compare it, but you can you really compare it? It's it's apples to oranges. One one place you're busy and getting shelled. The other place, you know, you've got to learn to to be at your best when you're not having to make a lot of saves and stay ready and stay focused. Two entirely different challenges. And I'm fascinated to see if it is indeed Bernier, um, you know, how each guy fares in his new spot because we like them both, right? They're both really good goalies, really good goalies. We 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 should talk about uh, a little bit about the Detroit angle too. Uh, Hutch, when when you look at the Detroit's taking a gamble on Nadalkovich, who's had a, a really good first season in the National Hockey League and stepped in and was great, uh, but is is he taking a chance, Nadalkovich, on Detroit? Like because he's going into a much different situation than he was in Carolina. If if you want a uh, like good numbers, stable environment, you stay in Carolina for less money. You go, you get more money, and I, I will command uh, stick taps to everybody who gets more money because I, I that's not calling anybody selfish. Uh, I think you should get as much money as you can. But is that a risk going to a place like Detroit? Well, of course it's a risk, but you're probably betting, you know, on the pedigree of the guy who's running the organization. You probably feel. The, the direction the organization is pointed is the right direction. And you obviously, as a, as a solid goaltender, have confidence that uh, you can repeat what you've done in the past. Uh, it's a position built on confidence. And I'm sure Alex Nedeljkovic is more than happy to, to bet on himself. Um, guys, you, you, you have to follow the money. As an athlete who's got a very small, very limited window, uh, I think as a young guy, you can't suddenly start turning down money and saying, I'm, I'm going to be really happy here with what I'm doing because it's, there's, there's a knock-on effect for the, the following contract and the following contract. Uh, it's not just giving up a little bit this year and the year after. Um, so I think he has to, to follow what's best for him you know, professionally in terms of a playing environment. I think he has to do what's right for him and his family uh, financially. And, uh, and let, let's not forget that he's got roots in the area as well, you know, did, did grow up in Ohio and play his minor hockey there, but, but then moved to the Detroit area to play hockey and then moved on to the Plymouth Whalers as well. So I think he's probably really happy to be moving into the area. We haven't really asked him, but it's a, it's a great story for Detroit as well. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there and they're probably all happy to bet on, on a positive outcome here. You know who's bet. You know who's. We you know where the bet is being placed, and this is. I guarantee you, Alex Nadelkovich will tell you this himself. Like just having had that conversation, not about this, but just having had that you know nearly hour long conversation with him recently. Alex Nadelkovich is going to bet on himself every time. Uh, we're going to get into the draft and uh, the conversation with uh, Jesper Wallstad in just a little bit in our feature interview presented by Centurina, uh, Centurina VR. Uh, but free agency. Does this? Does this clear the the deck at all? Make it any uh, easier to forecast what's going to happen uh, next week when it comes to free agency, Woody? 
No, um, this is because it's not just free agency. There, a lot of the names that were on the market for trade are still on the market for trade. Uh, Braden Holpe in Vancouver, his agent's been given permission to help try and facilitate a trade. Um, expectations of a Martin Jones buyout out of San Jose. I'm reading those reports as well. So add another landing spot for some guys and potentially another name out on the market in Martin Jones. Um, there's other guys who are on the market for trade. Like this is just going to be a crazy game of musical chairs. And maybe the key is you wait it out. Um, cause I know there's some goalies that are nervous about not having a seat when it ends. And maybe if you're Carolina, you figure we wait it out and we find Remember when Thomas Vokun ended up in Washington, uh, for a million and a half as a guy who should have been at the top of the free agent market, just kind of an opportunity never happened. And he ended up without a seat when the music stopped and this game of musical chairs is going to be like that. So very curious. I don't know that I'd bet an otherwise Stanley cup contending roster on that type of move, but um, we'll see if Carolina does. So very curious to see where this all ends up. You know where it should end up. It should end up at the hockey shop there because with all these goalies moving everywhere, they're all going to need new gear. Chris Dreger's already told us it's going to be wicked. Vitek Vanacek's a Bauer guy. I've already seen, but you said Bauer's on their social media teased him with an image of uh, uh, the uh, DigiPrint Seattle Kraken graphic, like spectacular, spectacular. We've already teased a few masks that we think these guys should wear with Seattle, but goalies around the league are going to be jumping all over the place. They're going to need new gear, new colors, new looks. And there's all these new options with the latest line. So where would you go if Darren Millard gets picked up by the Div 1 level beer league team for next mm-hmm. year? If little Maddie Hutchison gets picked up for a different team next year or your kid or your kid or your beer, everybody's changing colors, need new gear. Cam is the guy to call at the hockey shop. Not only do they have all the latest in terms of the latest brands, the latest models, discounts on the old ones. So you can go in there and they will find gear that will fit your game. And you've seen the walls behind me when I do those interviews, just loaded with gear. So they have lots of color options. And if you decide to go custom, they're the guys to go custom with. We had a customer, can't use the name of a friend of a friend, reach out to us, pretty famous name, but we'll leave it off here for now, looking for advice on gear. Now, he, wa- he wants Bauer and they can't ship across the border. You, but you bet your ass that I had Cam help him out in terms of getting the specs and the setup right, even though he couldn't ultimately sell it to him because he's from America. Because Cam knows how to suit your gear, suit your game, and he also knows how to place your custom orders for you, whether it's Bauer, whether it's CCM. He'll take care of you at the hockey shop. So make sure you reach out to them, him and his staff, for all your gear needs for next season. It's not too late to get fully kitted up for next year in new colors. Reach out to Cam at the hockey shop and he'll make sure it's the right gear for you. Honestly, now that we've got a sort of a traditional, close to a traditional off season, when you can get your gear ready, like remember last year after the bubble and then thought you were going to go in December and then it got pushed back and pushed back and how many games? Everybody knows they're going to camp in September. I wonder if we'll see with the the amount of technological uh, advancements that we've seen in the last two two years through this whole pandemic and different uh, options, we could see some really cool setups come September October. I think we definitely could. I, do you think Chris Dreger has Cam's phone number, or did you get it to him, Woody? <laughs> 
I already I, said. I got I, the sense that Cam's going to be on speed dial from a lot of these NHL guys. I uh, I uh, I did. I'll have to send Reach the uh, the info for Cam. I, I I started with I started with my restaurant recommendations because Seattle's a city we spend a lot of time in. So I started with those. Didn't realize I was texting to them evidently as they were about to uh, throw out the. Here I am sending him Woody's crappy where to eat, re- you know, recommendations for Seattle, and he was in the process of throwing out the first pitch at the Seattle Mariners game. <laughs> Got back, to me, got back to me about half an hour later as Greg Ballack, uh, who, who has done so much writing for us over the years, sent a, a note in the group text saying his worlds were colliding because he's a huge baseball guy. And there's Chris Dreger doing an interview on the Mariners broadcast. And I'm thinking, here I am. This like <laughs> I got to learn to stay in my lane. I'm sending him restaurant recommendations while he's throwing out opening pitches at ML, MLB. Uh, one more thing on, uh, on goaltending. Uh, two teams to keep an eye on here that maybe you haven't heard a lot about uh, that could do something in goaltending. New Jersey, not saying that uh, that Blackwood is going anywhere, but to compliment him. So New Jersey and Chicago are two teams just that I've heard rumblings about and that have kicked tires on, on different things and have been involved in a couple of conversations. We'll see where they go, but uh, but for those listening, as we go through this process, uh, not not teams that have been challenging for uh, playoff berths lately uh, and want to take that next step. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, the hockey shop, a good place to uh, to hang out, not only with uh, with the latest and the greatest uh, when it comes to National Hockey Leaguers, but uh, but safety, Woody, uh, the hockey shop. Uh, if if you don't like the dangler and you guys don't, there is options to keep yourself safe. And that's what we're going to deal with this week in our gear segment. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. The summer of Cam continues with new gear rolling out. This time we've got the Warrior neck protectors, something a little more traditional something brand new and very sexy that i'm going to hold i'm actually going to hide this because we don't want to distract everyone's going to be like zooming in and that's not and we want them looking at cam so cam walk me through the rx3 e plus this is just your pretty much i don't want to say run of the mill but this is your basic neck protection option for 2021 from warrior so this ritual neck guard it's actually been around for a little bit uh just kind of flew on the radar Nothing too, too too fancy. It's just completing out Warriors lineup in terms of their protective equipment. Uncertified, non-BNQ neck guard. Uh, what that means is it doesn't have the ballistics nylon in the collar, so it's a lower cut neckline. Uh, that said, quite nice high density padding. Um, again, good for that a little shot impact. Not as much collarbone on this one, but if it's being comboed with a Warrior chest, they're already saying their collarbones are very, very protected. So that's why they're just covering off that neckline to round out their protection level. So good, but we have something better. Great. Do I say great? We haven't had a chance to really test this beauty, um, but this is the new RX3 Pro. So everyone always talks about those different um, Kova neck guards. Maltese neck guards. That's the one that jumps out to me. Yeah. The mal- this one to me feels, looks, has that Maltese feel to it. That's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And that's a product that a lot of pros have used that you can't get necessarily anymore. Warrior's got an option here. You can walk in the store and buy it off the rack. 
They're just using their X3 foam, which is nice, soft, but impact resistant foam, double layered. So it's very, very flexible, which is awesome, especially at that neckline, because it does come up a little bit higher in particular, especially compared to that other one. That said, especially when I move down, it still flexes with you and doesn't catch up and have that kind of choke off. Give me, <laughs> steals it away from me because it is that exciting. Full on bib style. So it is something you slide up over your head. You know, hey, if, at the end of the day, if that still bugs you, you can always just cut the end of it. I didn't tell you to do it, but there is an option there. Great profile. It's covering a lot of those tender areas. If Kevin will do it up fully, we get a good idea of how much it actually protects all the way around. I think it's one of the best neck guards I've ever seen. You've had this for months. We had it on the ice months ago. And I remember saying when I saw it in the room, I'm like, that's going to be a hot item this summer. Unfortunately, supply's been a little slow to arrive, so we've had to wait. Yes, so uh, stock's slowly trickling in. Um, so get them while they're hot. That said, um, quick note, not B&Q certified. So a note for any of those minor hockey kids around. If you get something like this, you'll still have to have some sort of ballistics nylon protection. So B&Q certified turtleneck that you find upstairs in the players can be like comboed up with that. So you get that ballistics nylon protection, but then you get all the protection of the neck guard too as well. So. What, I, what I like about this, now obviously we haven't had a chance to test it in terms of impact protection. Um, you know, obviously... I've been using the Aegis one with the D3O and really liked it for the past couple of years. So I can't speak to the foams and what they, you know, how they're made and how much impact they absorb, but it, it's nice and thick. The, the, the way they've sort of created seams here allows it to have some flexibility around the neck. And I think the biggest thing, as Cam mentioned, is it's got the double layer. So it's not one big solid slab. There's a little bit of movement in between the two layers. I can see how they kind of slide a little bit, even around the neck. And to me, that's, that, that's what provides a nice thick density that you just feels like it's gonna be productive, but also a lot of mobility and there's no restriction in terms of range of movement uh, and the head, even though this is thicker, like Cam said, we've had it on, we've tried it out, Cam's had it on the ice. A lot of sort of, there's, there's not as much restriction in movement because those two pieces are sort of layered and they'll slide independently of each other. And, probably create a little more protection as well. Yeah, so as, as we say a lot around here, confidence is key, and with this neck guard, you're gonna be calm. How good is the protection, Cam? You feeling pretty good about that? Uh, cut, 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 cut. How much do you trust me? Do it up and put the hands down, you chicken. All right, Kurt from Warrior. I hope this is how you test your neck guards. Cam can't talk for next week's segment, you'll know why. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, you can't hit underneath, but this is still good. It is fine. I can do this all day. So if you want to learn more about this neck guard, you can give me a call at 604-589-8299. You can visit our website. It's www.thehockeyshop.com or visit us in-store here in beautiful Wally, BC. And for you out-of-towners, you can give us a call at 1-800-567-7790. Warrior Neck Guard. I've uh, I've liked the uh, the shirt idea. I'm glad that's uh, coming back. And then they like that's a piece of equipment that has taken a little bit uh, step forward, but not a gigantic step. It's it's one of those ones that is due for uh, a little bit of innovation and uh, just uh, an advancement. Yeah, I've I've got the Aegis one with the, all the D3O in it, and 
never felt safer. And I've taken absolute, well, absolute, I'm an old man playing beer league, but I've taken some really hard shots up there from, from my Monday night skate, which is way over my head quality wise and guys that played at a good level and not felt it. Whereas in the past, I know that, you know, that would have left a mark. Um, so it's nice to see these developments. Now I got to say, we've been excited about this warrior one for a while, um, way back, uh, in she's like before the summer it was on the ice for a photo shoot um back when we were doing the eflux 5 and the hyperlight gear on the ice they had that that neck guard um and as much as we just got everyone else hyped up about it because i i think it is it's not a cheap unit but i think it's going to be worth it um it's coming soon guys coming soon it sounds like Warrior maybe fell victim to some of the shipping delays that are plaguing a lot of companies around the world. And for whatever reason, this neck guard should have been in by now, shouldn't have been in by last month, but it keeps getting pushed back. But if you're excited about it, make sure you drop Cam a line uh, at the numbers he listed and put your name on an order to reserve one because they're going to sell fast. And given how long it's taken to get the first batch in, who knows how long it'll take to get the second. This is going to be, I believe, a very popular item this year. It really is that comfortable and it feels like it's going to be that safe. What's the percentage of goaltending uh, Hutch that wears one of those secondary neck protectors? Uh, Is it 100% uh, if you're playing at a high level? Oh, at a high level. I don't think it's going to be 100%. Never will, but I think it's got to be pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, because don't forget, as, as we were talking about offline, uh, it, it's protecting your neck, but it's also protecting the collarbone area because no, no matter what chesty you're wearing, um, th- they all leave a little bit to be desired in that area. They all can leave things exposed a little bit as you're pulling off or moving away from pucks in, in some situations, even if we shouldn't. Uh, I think it's sort of a vital piece of gear for a high-level goaltender at the very least. And uh, and then, of course, those crazy enough not to wear a dangler, it's pretty much an essential. Yeah. It, to me, you should be wearing both. But if you're not going to wear a dangler, this is like, you, it's, it's sanity if you. Or insanity if you don't if you don't wear uh, the the secondary under the under the chest uh, chesty uh, neck protector. It just feels like you're wearing a tie, though. I can't handle having a job where I have to wear a tie. So you don't uh, you don't wear one, but young Maddie does. Uh, he does. Yeah, he wears. Okay. He, he's got both. He's got the okay. dangler and he's got got an underneath oh, one. So he uses the, the, the son's CCM. smarter than dad. Uh, that's good. I, 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 is anyway, I, yeah. I've been clipping all this, uh, all these carry price clips, um, for in goal premium recently and going through the, over the years and, uh, all the different, and I got to say, there's a conversation he has with a kid about why he doesn't wear a dangler, Darren, that I'm going to have to share on here real soon with you. Please. I would love to know. I've heard everything from it's cumbersome that you can't move your head to noise that, that, that one always gets me. It's, it's loud. It's noisy. Uh, which boggles my mind. I'd love da- to hear the da- carry Darren, price. Darren, the uh, the company attorney just slipped me a note. He yeah. asked me to make sure everybody knows that the opinions expressed by Kevin Woodley on this show do not necessarily <laughs> represent those of Ingol Media Incorporated. Uh, Ingol fully endorses the use of both a dangler and a regular neck guard at all times by all goaltenders. Thanks. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, that that's awesome. And uh, and tell Susan that uh, we appreciate that little drop in, uh, in because that. Okay, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but but I like the fact I do like the fact that there's there's progress in the like you talked about the one that you're wearing, uh, Woody, and it, it just it gives you that little bit of extra padding in around the the collarbone. Yeah, and we saw it at the pro level. Look at how many guys were wearing the Maltese option when it was available, and then when mm-hmm. it was no longer available. I mean, I remember having guys text me going, "Oh my god, like what's what's the other like what other options do I have here? I can't get a Maltese." And so I, you know, I don't know that this is necessarily the same foams, um, but there's a level of sort of uh, there's a thickness and a cushiness and a feel, and that, that to me was very Maltese when I put it on. So now the one downside to this new Warrior One, and can't mention it though, it's not BNQ certified. So for a lot of the kids, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna fit the grade for for the young kids because they need to have a BNQ certified level neck guard. Just to be clear, the BNQ certification is for the the protection of the neck guard from skate, skate cuts. cuts yeah right so that's not so much the the pounding of the shot another little quick tip here and i'm amazed that we need to give this little quick tip but a lot of the young guys these days like to wear a cool chain around their neck uh don't wear that cool chain while you're on the ice yeah take it um, off little maddie hutchison got a nice stint of practicing in junior hockey because a local goaltender here had a chain on took one off the uh, collarbone and the chain actually caused a, a pretty nasty gash and then again this week, I saw a goaltender take one off the collarbone. You could actually see the imprint of the clasp from the chain on his collarbone where it, where it cut him pretty deeply. So uh, keep those chains off when you hit the ice, uh, boys and girls. I'm going to have to take mine off next time starting now, although it, you know, I kind of like my chain. I have a little impression made on it. Just have it permanently welded into my chest by a slap shot. That works. I had I uh, I had to take my wedding ring off too. I started playing without a wedding ring because I had it bent by a shot once. You're not supposed to use that side of your blocker to stop pucks, Hutch. My yeah, blocker, like, you dummy! I'm not a lefty. But how bad is your glove? Like that was was a G. Was was the pocket one? Well, you know, as every beer leaker likes to say, well, I play with a lot of guys who uh, played at a yeah. high level. So, <laughs> hey, hey, well, you were out uh, with some people that play at a high level. Uh, tell me about uh, what you were doing last week. Yeah, annual road trip. Uh, we head up to Edmonton for Eli Wilson's prospects camp, where that's sort of midget AAA and up goaltenders, uh, quite a few from the Canadian Hockey League, and just an incredible group of shooters, all major junior NCAA shooters, uh, some some Canadian University as well, who are sort of all with WHL experience. And it's just a fantastic camp where um, kids are coming together of a, of a similar level who are really striving to be the best and pushing each other. And of course, Eli puts an incredible program together, helps these kids really, you know, simplify their game and, and get the most out of their game. And he does it in an incredibly challenging environment. Um, you know, a lot of places will tell you that they've got highly skilled shooters. Um, let me tell you what happens at Eli's camps, guys. All these shooters, they're not allowed to shoot in both sessions during a day because they're working so hard. Their hands, they all have to wear another set of gloves. Um, They're not told to, but they do out of experience underneath their hockey gloves because their hands are just getting shredded from the work they're putting in. Eli's out there uh, leaning on these guys to shoot harder, to shoot to score. He's giving them tips on how to freeze goaltenders, on how to, you know, make the game harder for the goalies. exploit mistakes that they're making i mean they're just being challenged at the highest level and we've really enjoyed uh the opportunity to go out there for for many years now and 
and I get out there on the ice with the cameras and, and do a few things for Eli and for InGoal as well. Uh, while we were there, joined by Maria Mountain, who came out to spend a couple of days with the kids doing some of the uh, off-ice training that they go through there. They've uh, Eli's got his own program uh, with, a, with a great coach as well. But Eli came in to uh, do a little, excuse me, Maria came in to do some work with the kids and did some um, some pretty cool and innovative work on on mobility and and strength um, specific to the goaltending position. So always great to be able to to connect with Maria and to see what she's up to. So great on ice experience there with Eli, and then uh, you know on the road trip home, uh, never like to to waste an opportunity. So we stopped in Kamloops, BC, and uh, got to get out on the ice with our old friend Dan De Palma of the Kamloops Blazers. Yeah. And did a session with him and just a fantastic coach, just working on some real details of the game. Just love Dan as an on-ice coach, but uh, love him every bit as much as a person as well as we do Eli. Just some of these guys, the influence uh, um, that they have on these kids uh, is sort of well beyond what they're doing on the ice. Really, really helps these guys become fantastic young men. And, and it's a pleasure to work with all of them. And then, of course, Darren. Can't drive past Vancouver without going in to see Cam. So we uh, we went out and hung out with Cam for an hour or so yesterday as well, and uh, spent a whole lot of money at the hockey shop as we all like to do. Did Cam complain about Woody at all? You know, he didn't even mention him. Huh? No, no, he didn't. It must have just been a breath of fresh air for him or something. I'm not really sure. Well, he got to, he got to talk. All the gear was on the wall. I mean, there was there was one. Uh, beer leaguer in there who was, it was like Christmas. He was getting a little bit of everything and Cam was just, uh, servicing him so well. But other than that, all the gear was hung up. So Woody obviously hadn't been through there for a while either. Woody, people aren't even talking poorly about you. This is good. This is progress. I got nothing. Uh, you know what we're going to have to do? Uh, when, when you brought up Eli Wilson, uh, Eli's got a great setup in his house with some framed sweaters and uh, get we have to get eli with a camera to to walk around and just give us a, a tidbit a little story on each one of the people that de- that he's coached over the years because there's a it's a who's who uh of the goaltending world uh with those sweaters hanging on his wall i think that'd be a fun feature one day that sounds like a good plan we're going to be up in uh, Kelowna again this summer a couple of times probably so we'll have to lean on eli for a little cameo here. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a big guy. Imagine him shouting at you, shoot harder, shoot harder. Uh, oh, it, yes. <laughs> the yes. Shooters, then the shooters do. Sense Arena feature interview this week uh, is a person that is just starting out uh, on his uh, professional career. Uh, Would he give us uh, the 411 on what we're going to hear in the feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena VR? Well, I mean, starting out in his National Hockey League career with the draft, and by the time uh, most of our audience listens to this, we're we're recording this on the sort of morning of the draft. So by the time most of you listen to this, you'll know which team he's going to. Pretty confident it's going to be in the first round. It'll either be him or Sebastian Cossa selected as the first goaltender. We're going to see two first-round goaltenders this year. I'm pretty confident of that, talking to people around the league. And depending on which team decides to go goalie earliest, uh, it could be either one of them. But I just love the fact we're going to have two in the first round from all those years of not having any to now having two, uh, a sign that teams, you know, nobody's won a cup without a homegrown goaltender in over 10 years. Teams are valuing uh, these top-end guys. And Jesper Wallstead is definitely one of those because he may just be setting on it as NHL career, but he's already played pro against men in the SHL. Um, 
just a really his technical game is already exceptionally sound. Um, as a matter of fact, I would say if there's one thing talking to some of the scouts, goalie specific and coaches around the league that are, you know, looking at this draft, some might, if there's a fear and I'm not sure it's fair, but if there's a fear, they think he might be, they worry he might be a finished product already because that's how clean his, his game is already. Right. So they're, they look at Kosa and see areas of growth left. And they look at mm. Wallstead, some of them, not all of them. Someone look at Wallstead and they're like, wow, like it's perfect already. That's how good it is. And when you hear him talking, I think you realize that this is not a kid. And you'll hear in this interview that is going to be done where he is now. He's going to continue to grow. He's one of those no stone unturned kids, right? Like he's talking about watching, you'll, you'll hear in the interview, not just watching NHL goalies and looking for ways to get better and sort of taking note of how they do things watching goalies from all leagues and watching for ways to get better as a goalie. And uh, I love that mentality. And as you'll hear in this interview, there's a lot to love about Jesper Wallstead. Well, there's uh, so much unknown in this National Hockey League draft because some players didn't play at all. Uh, the Ontario Hockey League didn't go. Uh, there were stops and starts in the Quebec League. Uh, the USHL had a uh, more consistent season, but there was uh, there was stop just and so they're just everybody knows about the the, the challenges this past winter uh for prospects but wallstead's a bit of a known commodity i wonder if that's an because of this year and what we've gone through if that's an easier sell for a first round pick well or maybe like i said the other way maybe because they they did get to see him in the shl um you know maybe maybe i find that sometimes with scouts and prospects, you look at a guy so much, or you look at a guy, and in yeah. Wallstead's case, more than maybe others, you start to nitpick as opposed to yeah. at the beginning and, and early viewings, you see things that amaze you on the positive side. And the longer you watch, you start to look for perceived flaws and things like that. And that's probably a pretty that's probably a pretty simplistic way of looking at it on my part. These, no, these guys that do this are yeah, excellent at what they do. But yeah, it's just, it's human nature, right? But if I can get on my soapbox, because I want to, I hate hearing that, oh, he's so good right now that he's probably a finished product. Drives me insane. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to evaluate all those other things, but that's only a tiny component of goaltending, that technical mastery of the game. I mean, if it was everything, then every solid goalie school goaltender out there would be able to play two levels up. There's a lot of really refined kids out there, guys. Doesn't mean they can suddenly step into an NHL net or a major junior net. There is so much more to goaltending than the technical mastery. And those things are really hard to read. But how do you read the game? What is your sense when you're on the ice and a play's developing in front of you? There's stopping the puck, but then there's so, so much more. And, you know, please don't discount these guys that have that solid skill from the beginning. And just because a goaltender is weak on the technical side of the game doesn't mean you're going to be able to bring them up either necessarily. Although I can understand a coach looking at a six foot seven goaltender saying he's got room for growth on the technical side of the game and wanting to, to make him a better athlete as, as a result. But the two don't necessarily go hand in hand, guys. Well, like, I mean, there's so the, much more to the game, Woody. And the reality is, Wallstead must understand all those elements because 
he broke Victor Hedman's record as the youngest player to play in the Swedish Hockey League, the top-level pro league, as a goalie. So obviously, there are a lot of those other elements in place. And I should be careful, too, when I say that room for growth with Kosa. I've watched him and done, like, you know, for a big goaltender, we always talk about, you know, that sort of sweet spot of size. And I think there are a lot of teams that, that don't see that 6'3 range that Wallstead's in. They, they don't care if you're 6'6 six, six and, and actually Kosa's already 6'7 now. Um, they changed that listing recently. I saw on the World Junior thing and I saw in an interview where he said he was 6'7 now. Um, the, the sort of knocking when you get into that range is usually big goalies, bigger holes when they move. But when you watch Kosa and the way he tracks into movement, man, he does not open and close a lot. Like there's a lot of efficiency. So I see a lot of efficiency in his game already um, in terms of movement and tracking and some of the mechanics that are rooted there. Uh, I think he actually, you know, has already answered a lot of the questions that get asked of big goalies about holes and opening them. So at the end of the day, um, both of them. I'm pretty confident saying are going to go in the first round. By the time people hear this podcast, we'll already know to which teams. And that's a positive for goaltending on a whole and the way it's perceived around the National Hockey League. You're right. Uh, For the second straight year, we've got a lot of goaltending talk in the first round of the National Hockey League draft. Uh, Jesper Wallstead, our feature interview brought to you by Centurina VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Hey, before we uh, run off to that interview, Darren... Let's just thank our friends from Sense Arena. Um, I told you I was up in Edmonton at Eli Wilson's camp, and while I was there, a new Sense Arena unit arrived. Uh, one of the coaches showed up with his Sense Arena. Another coach who just finished a, a professional career over in Europe was telling us how much he loved the Sense Arena. Uh, everybody I talk to just loves the Sense Arena experience and what it does for their game. Um, even professional goaltenders we talk to tell us. I can't believe how realistic uh, the Sense Arena system is when I step onto the the virtual ice and start facing shooters, how realistic it is. I've told you before, guys, I actually don't look at it as can it replace the on-ice experience, although we know that teams like the Los Angeles Kings use it because it takes away some of that repetitive strain of all those butterflies we have to go through uh, on in a practice session. It can allow you to get some reps in. Uh, that aren't hard on the body, but I don't compare it to the on-ice experience. I compare it to what are you doing off-ice right now? Uh, if you don't have Sensorina, you're probably juggling. You're probably bouncing a ball off the wall. You're playing catch. You're doing all sorts of different hand-eye coordination exercises. Maybe you're doing some neuro training, some, some other things like that. Sensorina's got it all, and then it takes it to a completely different level. It 10Xs your experience because you're getting a real goaltending experience. You're facing shots from video shooters who've played pro hockey, uh, or if you're younger, you face shooters more age appropriate. You get a chance to read the shot, to read the release, to face real pucks in this virtual world, and Sensorina can really take your game to a new level. Hey, we've talked here on the show before, guys, um, about how my son Maddie called it a cheat code for goaltending because he used it before an ice session and just found his tracking was unreal. Really cool to hear uh, while I was away that um, Bill Ranford actually dropped Maddie's name at the Goldie Guild retreat, apparently, uh, in talking about Sense Arena and saying that it was a cheat code for goaltending. So that was kind of a cool experience for Maddie to hear that, that that had happened. But 
but just reinforces that it's just an incredible tool for goaltenders and really encourage people uh, to get out there and, and give it a shot. And if you check out our website, our socials, uh, there is a bit of a discount for for in-goal members who want to go and uh, try Sense Arena. So we get a little cheat code of our own for when you're checking out your Sense Arena. And then when you uh, you go through the drills, and then you can look back through the point of view, uh, through the eyes of the shooter, and just see how you're reacting. And that's, uh, that's a cool little feature too. Yeah, sure is. And we're going to actually use that. We'll feature that in a, in a drill that we're going to post uh, in the next week or so here. Uh, where we're actually going to take some of Eli's drills, some of the stuff that we've done over at Ingle Premium, some of the drills we've released there, and then we're going to put them together into a Sensorina experience as well and show some of that off. And using that ability to look at what you were doing on the ice is going to be part of that. So really cool opportunity. And it works even in the small room uh, in Tokyo during the Olympics, giving yourself something to do, keep you energized and keep we're you... We're still waiting for the video. Yeah. Uh, well... Um... I got to clean up the room a little bit before I actually record that. <laughs> I actually think we need to send him over a wide angle lens because there's not enough room to actually put the camera far enough away from him to capture his whole experience. You guys are looking at on, on the Zoom like this is that's as wide as my room is that you guys see the, the, the walls. It, I'm not exaggerating. No, you're not exactly stepping out to the top of your crease on this one. No, when when I get out of the shower, I have to reach into the hallway to grab the towel. <laughs> Uh, Jesper Wallstead is our feature interview brought to you by Sensorino VR and Ingle Radio, the podcast. At the start of a really exciting week, I got to ask Jesper, like what, what's going through the mind? What are the emotions like right now? Like this is, this is a pretty big week for you. How are you handling it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a, a rough couple of months, uh, a lot of things, but uh, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I've enjoyed this process, and I'm uh, I'm very excited for whatever is going to ha- come up now. Uh, I know both me and, and my family are, uh, are really looking forward to this and, uh, and really going to enjoy this moment. So uh, we're very, very happy where we are, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen uh, after Friday. What has the process been like? Like just a lot of interviews, obviously handling us in the media. I've seen you do a lot of interviews on the media side, but also with NHL teams. Are there any any parts of it that surprised you? Any questions that caught you off guard that you can share from some of the teams? Um, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of meetings with with them on uh, on these Zoom calls, and and also a little bit of uh, these newspapers and and media style, and a little bit of everything. Uh, I've I had to work out in the morning and then try to manage these things in the in the afternoon so I can uh, get on board with everything. Uh, but I, as I'd say, I, I have had a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed this, um, and and throughout these meetings, there are, there have come up a, a, a couple of weird questions or so. But uh, I don't really have any any specific on my mind. Uh, but there has been a, a a lot of funny things that we we have talked about and they are asked and yeah, a little bit of everything, but. Uh, it it coming down to that I have just had a lot of fun and and, and I'm a very social person so um, I enjoy having these meet, meetings and uh, meeting new people and uh, and discussing uh, a lot of different things. There's so much of the game is mental these days. I mean, we talk a lot about technique and the evolution of the position. It's one of our favorite topics here. Like uh, the game has changed in the 20 years I've been covering it so much for goaltenders. 
And yet a lot of it comes down to your ability to handle it between the ears as much as between the pipes. Um, what, is that where a lot of the questions are? Are more the questions about the mental mindset side of things? Or, or do some, are they asking you about technique and things like that when you get into these interviews? Yeah, there's a little bit of both. Uh, there's, there's some question about how you, how you think in your, in your game plan and a little bit how your, how your game style is too. Uh, and there's a lot of different questions about your, your personality and who you are and what you like to do and, and who's your family and, and everything around. Um, I would say mo- most of the questions are, uh, are about who you are and, and what you're liking to do outside of hockey uh, because most of the time they, they know who you are on the ice. They know what you're doing there and, and how you have performed and everything. Uh, so they would just want your uh, your perspective in some uh, on on those things, and then they often like to ask you about your uh, who you are and, and your personality and who is your family and uh, stuff like that. Uh, but it, as I said, a lot of fun and really enjoy this. They are they're great persons uh, behind all these these organizations. Okay, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the fun stuff. How did you how did you become a goalie? What what got you into the position? Why do you love the position? Both my dad and my brother uh, played as a goalie, and so it was pretty easy for me to to go that path too. So I was I was watching a lot of hockey when my brother was playing there, and uh, and and also my dad has has teached me a lot of it, and and just um, being being very interesting in in me. So uh, I I think I got on that per- path pretty early and, and just loved being the goaltender and being the, the person to save pucks and kind of in, in some areas be the game winner and in other other games be be the one who can lose the game for the team. So uh, that's, that's probably what, what made, me, made me enjoy that position so much. When did you start? When did goaltending become your position? Was it early or a little later? Uh, I think it was a little bit later. I started off with both playing both goalie and, and as a as a defenseman, uh, and I really enjoyed playing both. Uh, so I think when I was around twelve or so, I I I changed to to just be a goaltender instead uh, because I as I say I enjoyed that uh, more than uh, more than playing out as a as a defenseman. We've had this conversation with lots of guys. Braden Holpe is one of the ones that jumps out the most. Like he thinks that not just becoming a goaltender at an even earlier age helped him a lot because playing out or whether it was a forward or a defenseman let you sort of learn the rhythms of the other players and sort of feel the rhythm of the game, the patterns that evolve uh, in a game. Do, like, do you think it helped you that you weren't a, like goalie only from too young an age? Yeah, I, I think it helped me a lot. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I think just keeping that the skating and uh, and both uh, maybe trying to get the perspective of the of the players on the ice. I think that helped me a lot. Uh, so when I got into goal, I, I I maybe were a little bit better skater in in the goal than the other goalists, and um, maybe I could I could see the the play plays happening before in some ways. Uh, and that's something I try to try to bring with me today. I try to visualize and, and read the plays before they happen. Uh, still today, so. Um, I think I got a lot of things from playing as a player too, uh, but but, but uh, 
so that's I'm really happy for happy for myself that, that I, I sticked with playing both for for so long for as, as long as I could. No, reading the game, um, being able to read those patterns, like you said, being able to sort of anticipate what's coming next. Um, being a player helped you at a young age. Are there things you can do now, even as you're, you know, taking this big step or playing in the SHL that you think can help goalies learn how to do that? Like, do you think it's something that's a little instinctual or is it something you can work on and, and sort of improve that ability to read the play? Um, I think it, it mostly came, came down to just watching a lot of hockey. That's what I have done. Uh, I watch a lot of KHL, SHL and NHL. I like watching all the top leagues in the world and uh, just trying to learn from everyone. Uh, you can learn a lot from the game, how it plays. And, uh, and for me as a goalie, I learned a lot of things from the goalies through, uh, throughout the world uh, to try to see and pick up small things from them that I maybe can put in my game or try to develop in my way to that can give me uh, give me some development in those areas. Uh, so I think it's just been good, very good for me to to just watch a lot of different hockey uh, and, and try to uh, stay with all these different leagues and, and see how they uh, how they develop us as goalies there. Oh, that's fascinating. I remember Thatcher Demko telling us when he was younger, he used to watch a lot of, for him it was NHL, but he actually kept a notebook of the different things that the goalies would do. Um, you know, again, like you said, watching it and looking for ideas, but actually making notes on it and then maybe going to practice and trying it. Have you ever have you ever gone to that extent or is it just everything sort of you you, you as you see it, you think about it and just leave it in the memory bank? Yeah, I think I pick it up with the, with my mind. Uh, I think I have it in my hand. Discuss a little bit with, with the people I have around me and, and, and small things just uh, that, that maybe works for me. Uh, so uh, I, I would try to uh, develop all these small things and uh, and mostly from from watching a lot of other uh, goalers uh, and see what I can what I can pick up from them that they are good doing well. I'm wondering who do you watch mostly in the NHL? Do you have a favorite specific goaltenders? And do you, how big a difference do you see when you watch, say, obviously the NHL? And maybe what's the biggest difference you see NHL compared to you know playing in the SHL at such a young age and Watching footage, as you said, the KHL as well. Do you see differences in the tack, differences in the way the goaltenders handle it? What are the biggest ones? Yeah, in the, in the difference. I it's hard. It's hard to say from from the goalies there. Um, I think there's there's different styles to play the game, uh, and I think all of the different goalies are unique in in their ways. So, um, I think I think for, throughout the leagues there are many different goalies, and and they are. At good uh, or good at different things. That that's why I try to look at what what are all the good goalies good at, and 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 how can I maybe put that into my style in some way to to develop that into to to a good good way of saving pucks. Uh, so I, I don't I don't look at it how how what's the level between different goalies. I I try to just see what how what are they good at. How can I improve from from watching them and and then then just a little bit how how the games play itself and uh, a little bit how just just to get some game sense a little bit how the, how the players play and uh, and just how how the attacks folds up and uh, a little bit like that but uh, but mostly just like to to watch and uh, maybe just pick up some small things from the from the goalies. 
Anything you can share as an example? I mean, the audience here is 100% goaltenders listening to this. Is there one thing you've picked up from a guy that you added to your game and it stuck? Like, that really helped me? I don't know. I don't know if I have something on my mind right now, but I can I can assure that that there are a lot of small things that I picked up. Uh, but maybe it doesn't that doesn't do much in my game, but just small things that that can improve something. Uh, but but right now I I don't I can't think about anything right now. But but there's a lot of things that I've uh, seen from a lot of different goalies that have turned into good things for me. I love that you watch other goalies and look for things. I just, I just think that's fantastic. What, what, um, who is the guy? Who's the first guy? Like, as you're, you're a young goalie, your brother and your dad play. So I'm guessing they would have had a massive influence on you. You mentioned your dad helping you coaching, but was there a guy, um, whether it was playing in the NHL or in the SHL, that you was a sort of an early role model or an early inspiration, or that? when you were playing, you tried to play like him as a, as a, you know, as a 12 year old becoming a goalie for the first time, or maybe even before that. Yeah, of, of course, for, for all us Swedes, we have always been looking up to Andrew Flanquist if, if you get a, become a goalie. Uh, I, I think both me and my brother really looked up to him. And uh, I don't know if I, if I took a lot of things from him, but uh, I just still today enjoy the way, the, the way he are and, uh, and what he does for, and um, for this for all the what they have done from for the swedish hockey especially the, the goal is uh he has been a big role model and uh he's a, he has been a great goalie and he, he still is and uh but he's even a better person i would say so um i think he has been a, a great guy for uh, especially the goalie the goalie development and and the, the way how many players start to like becoming a goalie instead of playing as a defenseman or a forward. You talk about that inspiration that he's provided. And as you said, so many goalies have followed in his footsteps in terms of not just coming to the NHL, but having success all over the world. Swedish goaltending, we hear a lot about the development model and, and what a good job they do over there. And yet you have a chance this week to become the first ever picked in the first round. Have you thought about what that could mean? Not to not to ask one of those questions that every other outlet asks but that's a pretty big deal it seems what have you thought about what that would mean to you um no i think it, it's hard to think about it until it happens if it's happening okay. uh, I, I think that's something that's gonna hit me if it if it does happen on friday i i think it's i, I don't I, I can't really think about it right now there's uh, there's just a lot of the feelings about it and I'm, i just think i just think it's gonna be a a great moment uh, if it does happen. So uh, I'm I'm very looking forward to to Friday and, and see and see whatever it goes. Well, you're a goalie, right? It's all about next shot. It's all about staying in the moment. And I just act, asked you to project to the future. That's not fair of me, right? Our whole goal as goalies <laughs> is to stay in the moment. So that was my bad. Um, uh, I guess. <laughs> What about the mental side of it? What are what are some of the things you've worked on? Um, you know, we talk, it's funny, we talk, it seems like every guy we interview, staying in the moment is such a big one. Um, easiest thing to say, whether it's golf or goaltending, and usually the hardest thing to do. What have you used? What tools have you used over the years to sort of, um, or have you like worked on your mental game? For some guys, it just comes real easy. Other guys, they try and find new tools. Uh, how have you tried to develop that side of things? I, I think for me it's just a lot of speaking to myself and and breathing. Uh, I think if I can get a, a good mental stage and uh, and just breathe calmly and 
and speak to myself a little bit what's what I'm gonna think about and what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. I think uh, my my mental side of the game is is a is a strength of mine. Uh, so I I think it maybe have come a little more bit more natural for me, but uh, I still t- try to have some reminders of of things to to just breathe and and talk a little bit to myself and. Um, and, and keep staying in that in that special bubble we we goalies often have. Well, some guys like to some guys have keywords that they use when they're out there to keep them in that bubble. We we know some over the years that have written little messages in their blocker to remind them to stay in that bubble. Um, is there anything you do or any key phrases you repeat to yourself to sort of stay in that in that moment in that space when you're playing? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think I mostly just like to to talk to myself and maybe sometimes say I oh, just focus on the next puck and, uh, and just try to have my mind clear but still focused on on whatever is going to happen next uh, but I don't I don't think there's any specific thing I think it's just for me it's just breathing and uh, a little bit when I'm when I'm talking to myself it's often a, a short uh, a short sentence and uh, and then I just like to re- refocus now, what uh, we, we talked about your dad being an early influence and obviously looking up to Henrik Lundqvist, but maybe not from a playing style standpoint or, or not like you tried to be like him in terms of how he played, because it was pretty unique. Um, I'm not sure anyone, he, he was so amazing at the way he played. I'm not sure how many people can, I've had, we've talked to guys like Cam Talbot over the year and they've told us like nobody will ever be able to play like Hank. Um, but where did, where did, so as you develop as a young goaltender and start to move up the ranks like where are some of the bigger coaching influences we've heard so much and talked to guys like thomas magnuson over the years about um the the great job they've done in terms of having coaches available uh, at a very young age when did you get your first goalie specific coach and what was that process like for you as a young goaltender it's, it's i say that it's funny you really only been in the position six years so the evolution of jesper wallstead is still a short one yeah no you know, I, I think it started off in here and back in Westeros, and and I think, I think when I when I was a little bit younger, I think we had one day. I think it was every Monday. Uh, I think we had a little bit like a goalie practice for for all the the younger goalies and in, uh, in Westeros in the in the juniors and down. Uh, so I think we had a uh, a little bit like a goalie practice there with all the different goalies, and we had one coach, one goalie coach there with. A little bit of help around him, and I think that's where it all started. Uh, after that, I when I got older and older, I, I had to I had Patrick Koster, who was Westeros goalie coach in, in the in the highest uh, team in, in Westeros, uh, so in the men's team here. Um, and then throughout there, I, I got to have uh, the Swedish national team's goalie coach Stefan Lade for uh, a couple of years, and uh, on, on like a signed, uh, so he. I was speaking with him and uh, had a couple of practicing, practices every year with him. Uh, and then I moved up to Lulu and I had both uh, Linda Blomqvist and Gusten Turnqvist up there who, who has been great for me there. So I think just having a lot of different coaches throughout the years have helped me a lot. I uh, see a lot of different perspectives and, uh, and, and then they have put in a lot of different techniques in, into my game uh, and, and a lot of diff- different opinions to what they maybe think. Uh, and then they asked me how I feel about it. So uh, I, I think that have helped me with me, my development a lot. I love that answer in terms of it sounds like, like you said, a lot of different uh, opinions, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different options. 
but sounds like no one forced you to do it a specific way. It sounds like there was a lot of back and forth and communication there. And it sounds like this is something that a lot of pro goalies experience. When you move around team to team, you can get a lot of different voices and being able to manage them and still stay true to your game, uh, I, I think, frankly, becomes a skill as a pro. And it sounds like you've got some experience with that sort of, you know, being willing to try new things, but, um, you know, not just doing it because somebody says to. Yeah, exactly. At the end, it's it's up to me what, how I want to play and, and what feels good for me. Uh, it's it's going to be very hard to build a uh, take just an, and style from the NHL and put into my game and let me play that way. Uh, so so there's the process around has always been been about building my my type of the game and how I want to play it uh, and whatever feels good for me. Uh, so that. Having those different opinions and uh, and those discussions in between has been very good for me because then we can see whatever it's, wh- if it's gonna work for me or if if it's not if I if this is something I want to use throughout my game plan uh, or if this is something that oh, I maybe didn't feel that great okay we have it in our backpack so we can use it sometimes uh, maybe when I have to get out of my comfort zone but in my game plan I'm not gonna have it with me uh, so. That has been very useful for me uh, with all all these different coaches that I I've gotten to ch- the chance to have. Also, I, I did I was I had forgotten that you had Linda as your coach, so there's a little bit of synergy for us here at Ingol Magazine because one of our first stories at Ingol Premium was Linda at a at a goalie coaching conference over here. It was in Nashville, sort of walking us through the SMS Reverse VH over here, but SMS for you guys and how they sort of developed it and taught it over there. So. Everything's coming full circle in this interview. I love it. Um, <laughs> what you also have before you got to Lilia, and I probably just mispronounced that. My apologies. But you've got a goal in your back pocket already as a goalie. You've already scored a goalie goal. Am I right? Yeah, I did with Vestros uh, under twenty team. So I mean, like that one's checked off the list, though, because a lot of us have that on the checklist, and not everyone ever gets to do it. What was that like? Oh, it was it was just a lot of fun and an unbelievable uh, experience. Uh, I had a a, li- a lot of luck and and, and uh, fortunately got it put it in the net. Uh, so uh, you know it was a lot of fun and and, and yeah, we had a great time and we, we won that game. So uh, everyone was happy. I hope you won the game if you got an empty net goal as a goalie. Um... What uh, where where stick handling rank for you um, as a strength and is it something that that you think goalies can work on as well and and need to be sometimes I f- I find uh, for young goaltenders they're asked to sort of be good at it but they don't necessarily get dedicated time to work on it. Did you was that something you got time to work on as a young goaltender? Um, I I think it's it's a strength of mine and I think it's very important. Uh, when I was young, I always had a puck beside besides me mm, even though i was a player or or if i was a goalie uh, i always had a puck at my stick so i can go dribble a little bit or go shoot a little bit uh and i shot sometimes uh, back here in my backyard i had a uh, a goal and a and a net behind so i can shoot some some back here also uh, but i i just enjoy dribbling and uh, and shooting some pucks in between all the all the exercises on on the practice uh so uh, and i think as i said i think it's really important i think it's something that you should be good at because you can uh 
uh, yeah, you can you can play a little bit like a third defenseman role uh, and and help the the team uh, with with great breakaways pass. Um, unfortunately, the the rules in in NHL have have cut on the corner, so we can't be there. But but here in Sweden, you we we can be in the corners, or we could uh, could this last season. I think they're gonna uh, change the rule to to American or NHL rules next season. Uh, boo! But I, but, boo! Yeah. I don't like that idea. Yeah. Let's go the uh, let's go the other way. Let's have the NHL tech get rid of that silly corner thing. Let's all let puck. goalies can handle the puck wherever they want. That's what we want. Yeah, I, I think that rules that rule is it, it sucks to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I think it's really bad, but it is what it is. I, I think it's it's too overpowered if you're a good goal and you can be out in the corners maybe. Uh, but but I think it's. I think it's bad. I I think it should it should be allowed to, or you should be allowed as a goalie to to be in your own corners. But that that is wherever. Uh, but as I said, I think it's very very useful. Are you a gear guy? Because usually, Jesper, we have uh, like you obviously you came to the position through your dad and your brother. It's usually a couple of things: either family member, sometimes it's the youngest brother who, ha- in order to play with everyone, they got to be a goalie, or it's gear. So for you, we know it wasn't necessarily gear that brought you to the position, but did you become over the years a guy who like, do you, I know you're a Bauer guy now. Do you really analyze your gear or is it just, you know, give me something that I like and I'll go out and play in it? Yeah, I, I, I'm a big gear guy. Uh, I, oh, I nice. think I, I have, I have tried to gotten to that point that I, I know what I want to use. So when I, I order new stuff, it's, it's always oh I like to try those new hyper lights, but I want them as my pads has always been now. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a big graphic guy and uh, I like I like a good style, so uh, I'll try to have I'm trying to have that in mind when I'm when I'm ordering new gear. Nice. Okay. So I mean, well, of course, you grew up you know admiring Henrik Lundqvist, and he was the king of iconic style, especially once Bauer started doing the printing. So that's a perfect match for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the setup right now when you say you're trying the hyperlights? Like, what do you love about the Bauer gear? Uh, I think it's they're they're very very well stable, uh, stabilized, or, or whatever you say through on the ice. They're very uh, very good down there, and uh, there isn't much to, um, and they and they have good rebound control. That's very important for me. Uh, they put all the pucks down in the corners. Uh, uh, so they help you a lot, and I, I think overall the gear fits me well, and uh, and the, all the adjustments I have made on them uh, fits me very well. So uh, I, I have really enjoyed them. They're very nice people at Bauer too, so uh, they're very friendly and very helpful. Uh, so um, I, I I think I'm gonna uh, keep keep going with the Bauer gear for for a long while. Yeah, well, and the style points matter, as we said. So. Um, just quickly, we'll wrap this up this past year. Uh, obviously world juniors, you came over, didn't get a chance to play. I think probably as much as you wanted, frankly, not as much as we wanted either. Cause we wanted to watch. Um, what was that experience like though, being in the bubble and, and, you know, sort of isolated and on the other side of the world. And I mean, not that you haven't been at, you know, international tournaments before or away from home, but what was that? What did, was there any takeaways as much as you would have liked to maybe played more? Were there any takeaways? Any anything you use to get better out of that experience? Uh, I think it's, it was a it's always a great experience being away with the national team. I, I'm always enjoying that, but 
but the bubble overall was uh, it was a little bit weird. Uh, it's it's nothing that you're used to, uh, right. and especially when when we in Sweden didn't really have the, those strict rules and everything, and uh, we got to America and uh, or or Canada, and they were were very strict with with everything. So uh, that's something you aren't used to, and uh, and you had to adjust to that. Uh, and I think uh, it worked out fine. Uh, maybe. Maybe it wasn't great, but but as I said, uh, always a good experience being uh, with the national team, and uh, you're always always having fun there. Uh, and then, as you said, didn't get to play as as much that I was hoping for, and I uh, I feel maybe that I deserved a little bit to play play a couple of games more or, or some games more. Uh, but I took that with me when I when I got home instead and and played eight games in a row with with Lulio uh, directly after, and uh, I think I played really well there so uh, I think I got some extra energy when I got back to Sweden instead and what was that step like I mean and I know you'd played there before like you finished the year by there but you'd played up before as a matter of fact the youngest player ever to play in the Swedish Hockey League at the top level I think you I think it was Victor Hedman's record that you broke what was that jump like and playing against men, adults, which is what you're headed towards now, whether it's in the National Hockey League or you go back for a year, either way, like what's the biggest jump? What's the hardest part of that transition? What was the biggest takeaway from it? I think just on on ice, everything goes a little bit faster. They're a little bit smarter and more skillful. Uh, I, I feel like when I uh, I got to to do a couple of practices with, with the SHL team, I got into that pace and uh, very fast, it felt more natural for me, and I, uh, I can, I, I can start developing at that stage. Uh, so I just think it's a, it's a, it's a difference in space and in, in speed and in 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 uh, skill. Uh, but I, I think uh, for me, it, it it took a couple of days and or a couple of weeks, and I got into that uh, that momentum, and 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 then I. Um, I felt like I felt pretty good at that at that situation. Uh, so uh, I, I feel like there are big differences, but uh, but I feel like I I took that uh, that jump pretty well. Yeah, obviously, and I'm I'm guessing confidence grew as you got up there and felt comfortable as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's very true. Perfect. Well, what? Do, well, that's uh, we'll, we'll end it there. That's. Uh, I mean, that confidence clearly has grown. There's a lot of people that have a lot of confidence in you heading into this draft. I'm excited to see where, how it ends up for you and where you end up. And I look forward to hopefully getting to meet you in person as we get away from bubbles and things start to open up. And um, what an exciting week for you. Where, will you guys make the trip over or will you stay home for, with your family and do the draft from sort of over a Zoom, so to speak? Yeah, we're we're staying home uh, here in Westeros in my hometown. So we we're gonna meet up a little bit of friends and, and family and everything, and um, hopefully have a great night. All the best for that. We're really excited for you, and looking forward to seeing how it goes. And thank you so much for taking the time to um, speak with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation, Jesper, and look forward to following your career and getting a chance to meet in person. Like I said, yeah, thanks a lot for for having me on here. A lot of fun. Can't wait to watch him develop and where that next step is. He, 
He's not Carey Price, but I love how smooth he is. Like he sort of reminds me a little bit of of that. Is is that fair, Woody? Uh, is it ever fair to compare someone to Carey? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. No, but, there's, but there, you're right. He's like he's just. He's he's just he just looks like an older goalie when you watch him play, yeah. right? Maybe it's the fact he's playing against men and um yeah, but it, like again, I watch Kosa and I'm like like and there's other goalies in this draft too, some that are projected for fourth and fifth round. There's a there's a young Russian goalie that I got to watch at in at Rogers Arena training with Ian Clark and and Oleg Ramash. Remember we had we had Oleg Ramashko on the podcast. Um and this young man just committed uh and yeah, I'm going to butcher this, whether I'm going to butcher his name, it's it, whether it's Platon or Platon, but um, he just committed to the University of Maine with Alfie Michaud. He's going to get drafted this weekend. I'm pretty confident of that. I remember watching him like three years ago and being like, oh my God, like, like he looks, he looks like, he looks like an NHL goalie already, the way he moved and the power and the, and the amount of training. And so I think like, I'm just excited. You're right. Like Wallstead moves incredibly smoothly, but I look at this whole crop and it's just like, it's just exciting to see where goaltending's going. Like these kids have so much talent. There's so many of them that have so much talent. Um, and there's nothing to say that, you know, one that selected, you know, we just saw Pekka Renner retire and, and he was drafted in a round that doesn't even exist anymore. So who's going to be that other? That's the other one I want to see. Who's going to be the one that comes out of the fifth or sixth round that we hear about like three years from now that's just tearing it up? So I just love the process. I don't watch enough of them to be definitive like the draft experts. Um, but when I do watch them, I marvel at the skill. And you're right. When I watch Wallstead, I marvel at how smooth it is. Well, th- there's going to be this this draft uh, forwards, defense, goaltenders is going to be full of uh, of great stories in five years' time because of uh, the lack of uh, ability to be viewed in person. There's going to be steals. There's going to be busts. There's going to be uh, all kinds of uh, fluidity when it comes to this draft. So the the real story isn't this weekend and and what we saw in the National Hockey League draft in 2021. It'll be uh, how teams managed to get it right at a time that was so challenging and how others uh, missed the boat. Uh, that'll be the the next story. Uh, say hi to Matty uh, Hutch. Uh, now that he's like hanging out in the circles of Bill Ranford. You just riding coattails. I didn't say he was. Bill just listens to the podcast. Yeah, I know. Thanks I'm for just, listening, Bill. Just saying. And uh, and Woody, uh, you stay safe. Uh, miss you guys. Can't wait to uh, spend a little more, more time talking to you, but uh, we got two weeks of uh, the Olympic Games, and then we'll back back into uh, a more of a, a routine. Well, thank you, Darren, for making time to uh, still do this from over there. I've only covered one Olympic Games, and I just remember the work being nonstop and being constantly exhausted by it. So, um, and I was watching hockey, so I was having fun, but it was a lot of work. So, thanks for making the time to so, keep hosting with us while you're in the midst of such a big endeavor over there. The uh, the conversation around water polo goaltending is not about uh, too much uh, equipment. That's that's the good thing. It's uh, it's just flat out competition. So there's no there's none of those uh, weird awkward photos controversies. Those uh, bathing suits aren't getting bigger and bigger. I'd put a yoga block in my bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs>
On that note, we're going to say goodbye uh, for Kevin Whitley, David Hutchison. Thanks to uh, Jesper Wallstad and, of course, Cam at the Hockey Shop, uh, source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, yes, it's just one of those moments where you go, it's time we wrap this one up. In Goal Radio, the podcast. Mm-hmm.